it's like dying. It's like, and I don't know what dying is, but man, it is, it's so painful. It hurts. You don't want to go outside. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. You, you want to stay in the house. I've always had those feelings when I've lost games when I was little, you know, when I was in Little League. Welcome to the One Hour Intern. I'm your host, Will Brigger. Today, I got in the game with Ronnie Lott, the pro football legend of my hometown San Francisco 49ers and the best free safety to ever play the sport. Today, Ronnie is now a successful investor in Silicon Valley and is helping other football stars with their transition into the business world. Our internship with Ronnie begins now. Ronnie, thank you for your time today. We're thank excited you. to hear your story. Thank you very much, man. This is really awesome, and I found myself getting a little nervous. <laughs> and I guess the reason why is that anytime that you're you know, trying to do your best, you're always a little nervous. So I'm looking forward to hearing some of the questions and, and, and speaking with you, and, and hopefully we'll have a good time. So let's take a jump back in time and talk about your childhood. You're born in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the May of 1959 to Roy and Mary Lott. Well, you know, when you think about being in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you think about being born there, the first thing that comes to mind to me is that it's a small community. And then, you know, all of a sudden you move to this city called Washington, D.C., and things change. You know, Albuquerque was kind of a slow place, and Washington, D.C., there were so many things happening, so many different things happening with all types of stuff, you know, because, you know, that's the center of political arena. That's the center of where a lot of things that our country stands for. And so going there changed kind of how I looked at the world. The athletic part started to kind of Come something that I was interested in and I would go watch my dad play basketball and I'd watch him play different sports. And so as I started watching him play sports and going to his games, I started to, you know, have an affinity to want to try to do it and try to emulate him and his buddies. I remember waking up when I was like about nine and they had the riots and I was like, what the heck is going on? Literally, about a block away, you can see fires. And people were rioting because, you know, Martin Luther King had got shot. There was just a lot of anger. And people were frustrated. And it was primarily people that were in my neighborhood, that where we lived, that were frustrated and angry. And what I thought was interesting for me was, all of a sudden, you could see that you know, this this idea of, you know, you had black people on one side, you had white people on the other side, and you saw this confrontation of people. And so, you know, watching all of this fighting and all of this stuff that was going on really kind of helped me kind of think about people fighting. And it made you know that you had to figure out how to defend. And I remember one time, some of my buddies, they said, hey, you want to be a part of our club? I was like, yeah. And they, they tied this rope from the ceiling and it was hanging down and they tied my legs in and I'm like hanging upside down and they pulled my pants off. 
They didn't invite these girls to come down. And I was so angry because I had never been put in a situation where I was embarrassed about being in that situation. So, you you know, the emotion of, you know, being in, in that situation, going through the humiliation of that moment made me realize, man, it's there's some mean people. So I had moments like that. I know that at the time I couldn't tell my parents, couldn't talk to them about that. So I had, to, I had to live with that. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with your family and kind of why you felt that you couldn't talk to your parents and kind of how you dealt with not being able to talk to them? Yeah, you know, I could, I could tell you the feelings around that is when you're a military family, which my dad was in the military, to do something wrong was not a good thing. It just was not a good thing. My dad had these expectations. With that being said, did I try stuff? Heck yeah. Did I get in trouble? Heck yeah. Did I try to, you know, I tried to jump out the second story of our house? Heck yeah. Was I right? No. Did I get, well, did I get spanked? I got a spanking. Man, I got a spanking. I got punished. My mom found out about it and she she was she was angry. She was really upset that I had tried to do something without her permission. If I broke the rules, man, I got I got punished. I remember one time I went to go play football with some of my buddies and one guy hit me really hard and I came out, you know, I was crying, I came inside and my dad said, What are you crying about? I was like, God hit me. He goes, Go hit him back. And I was like, what? So I went back outside and I had to go back in and, and try. And I didn't have the courage, to, you know, I just didn't have the courage to try to hit this guy. I just, I was afraid. So yeah, I had moments, you know, a lot of moments of confrontation of being bullied or being somebody, you know, telling me I wasn't fast enough or strong enough. And, so, so yeah, that happened a lot. And how did you kind of overcome the confrontation that these people gave to you? What was your strategy to kind of deal with the, the negative emotions, the negative attitudes of other people? Well, you know, it's funny. I always had my dad telling me that I had to go back and always would say, hey, you have to go back in there. You have to go back and do this. You have to go back. And I remember, you know, times sitting there thinking, basically, so you got to go face the consequences of the moment. So for me, I just realized that the consequence of the moment would be going back and having to deal with the bully or going back and having to deal with the person or going back. And not every time did I want to go back. And a lot of times I didn't want to go back because I was afraid. We all have moments of fear. You know, we have moments where we're scared or not sure of ourselves or not confident. So, yeah, I had a lot of moments of feeling, you know, inadequate or uncomfortable. In your family life, kind of, do you have any regrets or any anything you wish you could have changed in the way you kind of dealt with your family or the way that you're kind of were raised? You know, my dad used to always talk about don't have any regrets, don't have any regrets. And uh, I used to sit there thinking that I don't want to have regrets. But as a kid... You know, you look back, you regret some of the 
things that you tried to do to you know, get away with certain things. And so, yeah, those kind of regrets in life are the regrets that sometimes I look back on and say to myself, wow, how do I, or how, how am I going to treat my kids? Because I know that they're going to have moments where they're going to try to sneak the car and they're going to try to find ways to, you know, break curfew. The human being is always meant to find, meant to try to experiment, explore, to try to figure out who we are. And, and I know when I look back on my life, yeah, I have, I have some regrets of things that my parents told me that I should have, you know, done this and I didn't do that. So my point to you is that we're never, nobody's perfect. No one, no one. It's hard to me to understand why certain things are right and wrong. And a lot of times in learning those moments of right and wrong, I think of some of my great teachers that I had when I was really young. The best teachers I had were the ones that said, that's wrong, that's wrong, but here's what, here's what right is. And those teachers were really strict, some of them, and some of them were really nice, but they had to convey their message, their way to get their point across, to make me understand what was right and wrong. I had a teacher one time yell at me because he felt that I was doing something wrong just because I threw the ball at him and I threw the ball at him to tag him out. But he thought it was wrong because I threw it too hard. Well, I didn't know how. I just was trying to throw the ball at him to tag him out. And kickball, that's what you do. You throw the ball at him to make sure he's out. Well, in the fifth grade, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, he made He goes, you got you to gotta write a book on sportsmanship. I go, what? You got to write a book. So I had to write a book on why I needed to have sportsmanship because he felt that he thought that I was, you know, I had hostility. And so there are things that, that you look back on on moments like that, right? And you start to go, is that fair? So that moment in my life, now here I am in the fifth, sixth grade, and I got this teacher telling me about sportsmanship and about how to be and how to act and how to. And so yeah, that was an interesting moment for me in my life. Very interesting moment because I, I had never had anybody talk about sportsmanship. And how did that kind of idea of talking about sportsmanship influence your attitude toward the game? Well, first of all, it made me realize that, that there's a right way to play and a wrong way to play. You know, what's funny is that there are a lot of people that will tell you there's a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live, right? And when you think about the right way to live and the wrong way to live right away, there are a lot of things that you can start to think about where you go. If I played the right way in sports all the time and I play as hard as I can, but, I, but I'm also kind to people and I'm also trying to figure out how to make people know that I'm trying to respect the game and respect them, I started trying to figure out that's that's the right way to, to do it. That's the right way to play. All of a sudden, I started realizing sportsmanship is around also watching people and watching them do it the right way. And, and uh, I started looking at, you know, different athletes. You know, you watch athletes and you would go, oh, that's a, you know, that guy 
he's doing it the right way. I, I was a big Redskins fan as a kid growing up. So I used to watch the Redskins and they, I thought they did it the right way. And you, and somebody would say on TV, oh, that guy is, you know, he's got great sportsmanship. And you started, you know, trying to look at people that did certain things the right way. Would you say that the, the right way is kind of an independent idea though, that you build off of these other people? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think, I think it is. And the reason why I think it is, is that you can have sportsmanship and still be aggressive. For a lot of people, they don't necessarily see it that you can be aggressive and have good sportsmanship. Because if you're really trying your best and you're using all your emotion and you're using all your strength and you're using all... So some of that emotion and some of that means that also you, you got to bring a little, bring more emotion, more will, more power, more strength... And so all of a sudden, that means you're bringing all of these ingredients. And before you know it, you realize that sometimes that aggression that you have, I'm going to feel that feeling. And yet you're not, you're still under control. When somebody knocks me down on a football field, I'm like, whoa, where'd it come from? Where'd that power come from? And sometimes it comes from anger. Sometimes it comes from the fact that the guy's just trying harder than you are. Yeah, you know, I, I guess for me, as, as we're sitting here chatting, I'm sitting here thinking about when I was, you know, 10 and the guy knocked me down and he was a better tackler than me. I said to myself, man, I better find a way to get a, become a better tackler, right? Because, and then as I started playing more sports, you start to try to figure out those those kind of you know, emotions and energies that, that, that you have inside you. Can you tell us a little about what school was like for you, focusing on kind of toughness of school, effort, and social interaction and other stuff like that? Yeah. When I got to high school, especially at Eisenhower, I thought that I was really a kid that had some confidence. And I realized that I had confidence on the field, I don't know if I had confidence off the field. They were, you know, putting me in, in in some courses that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. They were, you know, here I am as a sophomore, and I'm they're putting me in a, in in an AP English course and all these. And I remember sitting there going, and I remember this teacher saying, "I'm I'm trying to get you prepared to go to college." And and as a sophomore, I wasn't even thinking that at all. I wasn't conceptualizing any of that at that time. And so so that's when I started realizing myself, wow, as a, as a sophomore, man, I got to be really cognizant of what people are trying to tell me, what people are trying to teach me, because I didn't, I didn't have any clue. I was just coming to place. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to play sports. I'm going to have a great time. I'm now with, you know, in high school, I'm excited. And here I had people uttering to me that I'm preparing you to get ready for college. So I lived this kind of, you know, life of playing with all the seniors and playing baseball with the seniors and playing basketball with the seniors. So I was like this, you know, playing with all the older guys. And yet here I am really just a sophomore and 
and, and really a, a nerd and immature and not knowing a lot about who I am as a person. And then learning how to grow up. I, mean, I had to learn how to grow up. I started to see at that time in my life that, you know what, I got a lot of things that I got to, you know, I got to do to uh, be successful. So things became different and things became, I started to realize that things were about to change for me in my life because all of a sudden I'm now, I'm, I got to, I'm getting calls from coaches from, you know, different schools. And so, yeah, my life started to really get complicated because I had to be a sophomore, yet I was playing with all these seniors and I was trying to live all these different things. And how did you balance that or how did you find a way to balance that? I was always kind of by myself a lot when I was playing sports. I, would, I was always playing with older kids. So I was always the kid that played with older people. So I was always kind of growing up playing with, you know, athletes that were older than me. And it, it felt like sports was my way of, it allowed me to be able to adjust. I always kind of was able to make friends with other people and figure out how can I help them. And, and in sports, if you help another guy on your team or you help make him look good, or if you help yourself look good, I always felt like that was a it was something that was really unique about sports that helped me feel more confident. So sports was kind of your way of connecting with people and it was really how you learned how to be a, a social person. It, sports was my way of socially feeling comfortable around people. It, it, it gave me a way to express how to treat people. It gave me a way to express how to function with people. It gave me a way to figure out how to integrate with people. I never felt lonely. Never, I never felt that I didn't have any, you know, anybody. I always knew that I could pick up, I can call some, you know, I could call a teammate. I could go play catch with a friend. I always felt that somebody was going to be there to be my teammate, my friend. Do you have any stories that you kind of see as that kind of affected your life in your high school career? Any failures that you think kind of changed the way that you saw the world? The one thing I learned early on is that you're going to lose and, and it's not going to be happy. It's going to be sad and it's going to be uncomfortable. Sports, sports, there are so many moments where you fail. I met a guy the other day and we started talking about football and, and, and he goes, I played at Redlands. I was like, as soon as he said Redlands, I was like, oh, I started getting feeling funny because when I was 10 years old, we moved to California, started playing football, and the powerhouse team was Redlands. And man, they 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 killed they killed us. My my first time ever playing Redlands when I was about 10 years old. And they were so tough. And and why I tell the story is because emotionally, I remember the feelings of what that felt like when they were you know, the fans, you know, before the game, they were like, beat them up, beat them up. And I, and this was like before the kickoff. And I was sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. We lost the game, but it also told me what that felt like, that fear 
or to have doubt, to have to live with it. That moment is no different than the moment of playing against, you know, the Cowboys with thousands of people. you're, You're sitting there in the same moment of sometimes feeling like you're the most powerful person, but you also feel like you're the most feared person because you know that there is fear in all of those moments, right? You know that you're going to make mistakes. You know that you're not going to make the, you know, the, the, you might miss the tackle. So you live with all those, you know, you live with all those doubts. And what do you do to deal with those emotions or even the losses that you had? I've always felt like the, the, the worst loss I ever had was losses where you never forget them. It's like dying. It's like, and I don't know what dying is, but man, it is, it's so painful. It hurts. You don't want to go outside. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. You, you want to stay in the house. I've always had those feelings when I've lost games when I was little, you know, when I was in little league. And there's so many other emotions that come along with it, of failing, of not belonging, of not feeling good about yourself, from not feeling inadequate. We watch sports every day, and there's people that are agonizing with losing every day. And they're agonizing with it, but then the, the next day, they got to get back up, and they got to find a way to figure out to see if they can win or lose. And I find that, that how do I get up today to win? And, you know, I can start talking to you right now. And as I'm talking to you, if I start thinking about losing, I can literally see that the day is starting to get darker. That's how dark losing is. I don't like those feelings. They're not really comfortable. So I better figure out And I've always tried to figure this out. I want to be on the good side of life. I don't know why, but something tells me every day that I better be on the good side of life because I like that feeling. How do you personally get rid of those negative emotions so that you can be on that side of life that's the positive side? I'm a a firm believer that those things that are ugly or those things that are bad, those things that are... When I go to sleep at night, I try to like let all that go. And I realized that I wake up today, like this morning, I wake up feeling like, okay, I had to work out this morning. You know, I had to lift some weights. And so I start preparing like, okay, we're going to win today. I came here, you know, this morning, we're going to win. We're going to, I want to, I want to make sure that I feel good. I've learned how to think about the win of today not the loss of today. I think about how many wins I'm going to have today. I'm going to have a win today by eating a, a, a great breakfast. I'm going to have a win today by watching these people walk through our interviews. I'm going to have a win today by just, you know, kind of, you know, looking at everything as a win because, you never know. You might meet somebody that's going to help you win today. You know, I don't look at people and go, God, oh, that guy, I'm, he, I'm, I'm not going to win from him. I look at that guy and I go, you know, something, I might learn something from that guy today. And my point is, I frame my life around looking for 
how I'm going to play with that person and how am I going to win with that person? Because I, I really believe that when you think of your friends, the reason you like them is because they're helping you win today. We are all here as we live here is to hopefully one day leave a mark. You're leaving a mark right now. You don't know it right now because you don't realize that, and I realize it, that you're leaving a mark for somebody. Somebody's going to listen to this and somebody's going to go, you know what? That, that was cool. So, I mean, I guess now is a good time to move on to the, yeah. the next step in your life. So if we can talk about your time at USC, you went there with an athletic scholarship, became a member of their football hall of fame, and you got a degree in public administration. Can you just talk a little bit about your time there? Yeah, the, the time that I had USC was a really amazing time. The reason it was an amazing time is that there I started to realize that there were some principles in my life that I needed to have around, you know, one, getting my degree and uh, being committed to getting that done. I had some commitments around relationships and people that I became, you know, friends with, you know, guys that I played with that became friends for life. And then the other thing that I think was really amazing about USC is that it started to make me understand that we have these thoughts around the commitment of why do you fight on? It's a creed at, at the school, but really it's a creed for life. And when you think about fighting on, we all are fighting on. We're, today we're fighting on. And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to attend the school, but it, it framed up a lot of things that made me realize that I want to I want to kind of live like that and I want to be like that. And so USC and going to school there, getting my degree there, you know, one of the classes that I, I took was, you know, I, I took this Russian class, how to speak Russian. And my friends would laugh. It was very complicated, but it was also something that I look back on and that made that struggle really interesting uh, of taking a language that clearly I didn't have any any know-how or any reasons of of taking on that 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 moment. And what I love about that is that you know not only did you meet the people from USC and the people that you went there for four years, but I've met so many other people from USC that have been just instrumental in my life, that have been fun, phenomenal mentors, friends, and colleagues. So, yeah, it was unbelievable. Obviously, playing football there and winning a national championship and going to the Rose Bowl and all those things are great. But what really is fundamentally the best part about that experience was the friends and the relationships and the education that I got. Those formative moments really allowed me to become a, an adult, a thinker, a person who was who did have sportsmanship in other areas other than just sports. And what were the specific things that really you kind of started believing and kind of helped you get to this place? I think that what started for me was obviously, you know, in, in life, sometimes you start to have a, your certain faith in what you think the world stands for. 
the good and bad of the world stands on certain principles and certain things that 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 are core to why you are going to make a decision. And so I really started to say, you know, the decisions that I'm making are core to the values of who I am. And what would you consider those values, the ones most important to your life and the ones you parent by and the oh, ones you live by? Yeah. The most important values to me is is right and wrong. And, and, and right and wrong leads to a compass of making the right decision and the wrong decision. You're not going to jeopardize, you know, certain things that are going to embarrass your family. You're not going to do certain things to jeopardize the faith of what you believe as your, as your God. When, when you go to college, you start to say to yourself, I can't do this and this and this and this. And the reason I think you start to say those things is that you're starting to see that if I'm going to get a job or if I'm going to do this or if I'm going to do that, or if I'm going to be a father or if I'm going to be a husband or if I'm going to be somebody that's going to, you know, be, be able to work on a team, I'm going to have to have certain things that I got to do that are right, that are going to make people feel that they can work with me. And so that's where sports plays an, a big role in my life because you start to realize that the same things that you would do on the field are the same things you would do in life. And that is, I can't go to second, can't get to second until the guy hits the ball. But I can go when the guy hits the ball. But by the way, when I go to second, I better go as hard as I can. And if I don't go to second, if I go to second jogging, I'm letting the team down. If I go to second and I'm not trying my hardest, I'm letting the team down. I'm letting everybody down. I don't go play basketball to just play, just to go out there and play. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'm going out to play basketball because I'm going to try to get try to get better. I'm going to try to work on my shot. I'm going to try to work on dribbling with my left hand. When I think of when I see Kelly Slater surf, I don't even know the dude. But I, I can tell you this, what I love about him is that he's trying to get everything he can out of surfing everything he can out of serving. And, 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 and every time I read about him or every time I think about him, I'm like, wow, this dude is doing something always, you know, amazing. And so what I think is really amazing about a guy like that is he's not living just to live. He's living with a purpose. He's living with a feeling. He's living with a, a thought of saying, you know what? It matters. I feel like this around how I think of life. You only got one. You're only here for, you're not here for a long time. So how am I going to make sure that my life for me, not for my mom, not for my dad, not for my sister, not for my brother, for me, how, how, how do I feel about what, what makes my life matter right now? If you're going to go be a surfer, go out, man, and have the best experience of your life. You should, every time you get, up, get off the board, you should be sitting there going, dang, this, that was, I never experienced the water that cold. Because we're all trying to find these experiences, right? You know, we're trying to find these, you know, feelings. And we're trying to, you know, 
we're trying to understand all of it. If we move more specifically back to you again, after college, you were drafted in the first round by the 49ers, and then you started as a cornerback, switching to safety after a year. Can we discuss kind of the mental attitude and the state behind being such a great professional player, kind of more the more the emotional and mental side than the physical side? I think the, the, the emotional side of being a great player is how do you create these standards in your life? How do you understand what those standards mean and what they represent. And, and the emotion around those standards are excellence of how you're going to prepare. And what I mean by excellence of how you're going to prepare, it's like writing your name. Some people write their name and then some people really try to write their name and they make their name look like it's something of beauty. And so that preparation of, of how you write your name is a same preparation of, of an expression of how you want to play, how you want to write your name, how you want to live, how you want to go out and, and, and tackle. And, and so when you do a drill in football, do you do a drill and do you hit the bag with maybe not hitting as hard as you can? Or do you hit the bag like, I'm getting ready to hit Earl Campbell. And my point is, I'd rather hit the bag trying to hit it like I'm hitting Earl Campbell because he's the biggest, toughest guy. So I want to hit it as hard as I can because the hardest part is having the courage to keep getting better and better and better, you know, making sure that, you know, you tried to make everything count. Everything count in practice, everything count in all the drills, everything count in all the things that you're doing. If you don't make everything count all the time, then you're not pushing yourself to the level of commitment that you should want to have in life. And sometimes we fail because we can be afraid to go further. Failing, right, if we fail, which we all do, and we get back up and we fail again, and we get back up and we fail again, at some point you're gonna stand up on the board. And how does one get to that state of peace? See, it seems like a, a concept of, oh, put the fears away and you can kind of get there, but it's so much harder to live it. How do you live it and how does someone else get there? So how do, how do I get there? Imagine today, if I just quiet my mind, and if I quiet my mind, about where I'm at today. And I realize that God, I realize that who I am matters. Would you say that people make it too hard to get there? And it's really, you've, we push too hard to kind of get to this state and we really need to see it in a simpler way? Well, think about that state and you think about where you're at and you think about what you're trying to accomplish, right? A lot of times when you're trying to do your best, you're focused on just the feelings. So that task that we have, we have to make sure that we're doing our best. And, and, my, and that takes complete focus. It takes complete concentration. So I can only give you my best. I can't give you Marcus Allen's best. I can't give you Jerry Rice's best. I can't give you Joe Montana's best. My best is around that. And I think that that's 
important to understand in life that you try to do that. On another note, because football is such a big time commitment, but you also have a, a family with four kids and a happy wife. While you were playing football, how did you kind of balance those two different worlds? That's hard. And that's hard because that balance of trying to give them all your best and, and giving your sport all your best, that changes. And the reason it changes is that you have to compart you have to put everything in different buckets. When I'm with my family, I better find a way to be the best I can be with my family. I better find a way to be the best with my teammates. And my point is that each one of them, you try to find your best, okay? The question is when people tell you you're not, when people tell you you're, you, you're not being your best friend, when people tell you things that you're not doing, that's when you start to get doubt. All, all this whole time you've realized, oh, I'm giving my best. I'm doing my best. Oh, you didn't give me your best today. I'm trying to do my best. That tells me when somebody says, well, it didn't look like it to me, Ronnie. Doubt comes in because a lot of times judgment of what our best is for some people might be totally different. So you kind of talked about doubt and knowing when you're your best self, not allowing others to take you down. How do you deal with kind of that self-doubt when it comes along? Wow, man. As I've gotten older, it's gotten tougher. As I've gotten older, it's gotten tougher. And the reason it gets tougher is that your standards of what you want a lot of times gets changed. And so the question for me a lot is going back to the same standards that I had always. Am I giving my best? Am I doing my job? Am I living up to my word? Am I making sure that I'm giving all the things that I can to my friends? Am I exhausting life? Am I living the right way? So, yeah, that's kind of what I try to frame my life around, you know, trying to do your best with the things that you can do your best on. You continue to achieve at a high level. You founded HRJ Capital and participated in many business ventures such as restaurants, car dealerships, life coach right. in some sorts. USA Today even praised you as one of the most successful athletes is making the transition to business. Can you talk about how you made this transition so well? Well, for me, I think trend, the transition is around the evolution of trying. You know, here we're talking about the evolution of doubt. I believe in the evolution of trying because I think the evolution of trying is better than the evolution of doubt. I can't control doubt. Doubting comes into my life. Oh, I'm not, I doubt that I'm ever going to be as, as good as your dad. I doubt that I will ever make an investment that will be able to be as, 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 as great as, you know, your, your dad's partner, Wes, you know? And so in, in my point to you is that I'm never going to be Wes. I'm never going to be your dad, but I'm going to try. And that's all I can do is try. So I like to live in the try aspect of trying and understanding how to try 
my best. And the reason you try is because I might surf like Kelly Slater one day. People that are constantly trying, they're, they're evolving and they have this purpose of evolving to get better. How do you kind of pass these values that you've kind of, or these lessons that you've learned in your time in business onto other athletes trying to get into the business world? I've had people have asked me, Dad, do you go down there and talk to the Niners? I'm like, no, I, I don't I don't talk to them, you know. And the reason why, I, I, watching them and doing and seeing them, you know, create their purpose and watching them win is phenomenal. But, you know, you, you try to pass on your message to people who seek out the opportunity. When people seek it out and they want, you said, hey, look, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on. So you pass it on, you try to pass it on to the people that you know that are really trying to, that are curious, who want to get better. And I have, I've had a number of athletes call me and talk to me about, hey, how can I do this? What should I do here? You know, it's been really fun over the years meeting, you know, different people who have aspirations of getting better and, and working to, you know, better their craft. The values that you've learned as a, a football player and as an athlete, how do you pass those on to your time in business as well? Not just to other people, but kind of the way that you. Well, I think, I think those values that you learn in life, you, 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 you definitely pass them on to your, hopefully your employees you hopefully pass some of those values on to the people that you, you work with. And then I think you pass those values on to the people that you bump into. You, you, you know, you, a friend of mine once said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I really believe that you got to stand for something. And there are a lot of people that don't stand for anything. And I believe that I do stand for, you know, being my best. I do stand for, you know, hopefully doing it the right way. I do stand for living, uh, you know, a God life. And uh, so there are things that I stand for that I want to always, you know, make sure that I'm always trying to accomplish. Before we close, I just wanted to, do you have any other stories that you want to tell to the audience or any other failures that you think are important to who you are that you might want to share? Yeah, I think that the thing that's really interesting to me is that in failure and in life, know that there are some, there's always someone around the corner that has the same issues that you have. The bigger question is, are you finding a way to figure out how you can move forward. The people who learn how to move forward, the people who learn what it's like to change the world, those people are usually the people who say to themselves that it's worth, it's worth creating risk. It's worth taking the challenge on. And my point to, my point to, to this subject is that never be afraid. Know that fear as one of my friends would tell me, fear, fear makes cowards of us all. Fear has a way of taking and stripping us from things that don't allow us to see our best. But also fear has been beaten. Fear has been taken over. If you think about it, some of the greatest moments in the history of this country has changed because somebody wasn't afraid. That somebody decided that they wanted to stop Hitler 
And somebody thought that they could take down Goliath. And somebody thought that they could find a way to have a free country. That somebody decided that they couldn't have apartheid. That somebody could integrate South Africa. It's all due to people who weren't afraid. And and that's a that's a that's an incredible aspect of life of 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 being able to have have that. You have to you have to have the will and the fortitude to say, I'm gonna find a way. You're gonna find a way. We all are gonna find a way. It's destined to ourselves to get better. It's destined that we find ways to live our best. And so I hope in this journey that you will inspire and change a lot of young people's lives and more importantly, set them up for success. I think that's a perfect place to close. Mr. Lott, thank you for making it today. You had some great things to say and they're helpful to me. They're going to be helpful to see an audience of people. Thank you very much. On the next episode of The One Hour Intern. I think for me, it was, there's just some level of maturity, right? The year before, I probably thought the same thing. And I think it was a little bit of a crisis of of self, right? Is, wait, am I a sort of a mediocre student or a mediocre Stanford student? I want to know. Like, I want to know whether or not people who said, oh, you could be great. Like, I'm like, well, now I'm sort of curious. Let me find out what that, at least in this setting, what that means. Nobody asked me to do it. I don't even think anybody knew I did it. I didn't talk about it. I didn't make a, a scene about it. I just did it. Like I did it because I needed to do it. Thank you for listening to the One Hour Intern. I hope that you explore more of our episodes. Follow us at One Hour Intern. The one is spelled using the number one. And if you enjoyed, please rate, follow, and subscribe. The One Hour Intern is produced, hosted, and written by me, Will Brigger. My co-producers are The Blue and Studio Pod. Till next time, thanks.